Fired Up show starts right now. Welcome, everyone. Thank you once again for joining us here on the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve. I host each session, and I'm happy that you're joining me today. Uh, We've got a pretty interesting show that we're going to go through today. Uh, A couple of news items up front, and then uh, we're going to open up the second half of the show to a discussion on the election process and our end of it. That is, we the people who make the votes, who cast the votes. We're going to talk about that. So with uh, 45 or actually 44 days out from the date this show will air, uh, we've got things that still need to be done, and we're going to talk about all of those. But first, as always, let's get started with our uh, numbers on the uh, pandemic front. For COVID, we've got 96.1 million cases reported as of uh, this week. Uh, 1.056 million people have died from the disease, and 612 million people have been vaccinated. Uh, Just by way of contrast, uh, our cases, uh, comparing to last week, are up about 500,000. Our deaths are up about 3,000. And uh, the vaccination cases are up a little bit more than 3 million. So... Uh, the process of the disease seems to be leveling out a little bit, but don't rest on those laurels. Uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself, getting vaccinated or boosted if you haven't already, making sure you're wearing your mask when conditions make that uh, a good thing to do. On the monkeypox side, we're up to 24,846 cases. Uh, that's about an additional uh, 2,100 cases over last week. So while not as um, explosive as COVID, uh, monkeypox is something we need to be concerned about and we need to protect, take precautions for. So especially as now with uh, children in most areas back in schools, we need to make sure that we stay observant, look for those early signs and, you know, Listen and heed to messages that may come from your school district reporting of outbreaks. So let's stay on top of that, parents. All right. And last but not least, I've got one additional set of numbers. I've mentioned this before, but it's it's been a few episodes and I wanted to bring it back, especially because we are you know so close to the midterm elections and you know looking beyond that to the general election in 2024. So um, for, uh, for Democrats, for uh, independents, for you know, non-MAGA-aligned Republicans, uh, the, the numbers we need to be looking for going forward between now and 2024 are 62, 219, and 26. So what are those numbers? Well, the 62 is a... Uh, filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. The 219 is a uh, filibuster and veto-proof majority in the House of Representatives, and 26 would be the number of states that uh, we need to have under uh, Democratic control in order to turn around the advance of some of these uh, 
precedents we're seeing coming out of the red states in this country, uh, what with gerrymandering and, and all the other things going on. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but first, uh, some of the news that's occurring this week. Uh, this week, the House passed election law overhaul, uh, responding to January uh, 6th insurrection. And uh, this comes from uh, Politico. And uh, the House passed uh, a legislation package to overhaul the rules for certifying the results of a presidential election as lawmakers accelerate their response to the January 26th insurrection. The bill, which is similar to a, bipart a bipartisan legislation package, that's moving through the Senate uh, basically would overhaul this 1800s era statute known as the Electoral Count Act that governs along with the US Constitution how states and Congress certify electors and declare presidential election winners. And if you recall um, the January 6th uh, insurrection and the storming of the Capitol was to interrupt the certification of the electors uh, and create a situation where the uh, ballots would be returned to the states and that would have opened the opportunity for alternate slates of electors which would have thrown the um, election process into turmoil and most likely would have uh, wound up uh, throwing the whole election over to the Supreme Court, much like what happened in the uh, Al Gore-George Bush contest uh, of a few years ago. And, you know, the outcomes could have been dramatically different than what we saw. So what, what the proposal does is it changes a couple of key uh, aspects of the process uh, to certify the election. So the House version uh, would change the number of congresspeople and senators who would need to vote to object to the, uh, the electoral votes um, and that thereby throwing that back to the House and to the Senate to debate and uh, trigger new votes. Currently, only one lawmaker in the House and one lawmaker in the Senate has to object. Uh, the House bill as proposed would set out some very um, narrow grounds for those objections uh, and would require that a third of the House members and a third of the Senate members would need to object in order to trigger the votes and send the electoral ballots back to the states for reconsideration. You know, and as I said, initially and as it stands right now, you only need one of each in order to trigger that process. So it's a very low threshold in the sense that a, a single, quote, rogue congressman or person and a single, quote, rogue senator could trigger, uh, you know, a month long uh, argument and legal battle over the outcome of the presidential election. Uh, if you recall, uh, or if you don't, go look it up. In the uh, battle for the 2000 
presidential race between uh, former Vice President Al Gore and uh, Governor George Bush of uh, Florida. Uh, that one didn't get resolved until about 25 days before Inauguration Day. So that dra drug out from November through December and into early January, where there was no declared victor in the presidential race. Now, this new uh, bill also would require the courts to get involved if state or local officials want to delay a presidential vote or refuse to certify the results. For example, if in a particular state, let's, uh, let's spin the wheel and pick one at random, um, let's say West Virginia. So if the uh, you know, losing party in the West Virginia election uh, decided they were not satisfied with the outcome of the electors chosen, they could uh, basically uh, you know, sue to have their own hand-picked bo uh, board of electors uh, sent to the convention to vote for the candidate they want to win. Um, and under the current process, uh, all it takes is a vote of the state legislature to authorize an alternate slate of electors and send those electors to the uh, certification on January 6th per the constitutional requirements and it would force a choice to need to be made and would thereby send all of the slates of electors back to their respective states to be reassessed and re-voted on. So this new bill w will raise that threshold to you know, a third of senators and a third of House members in order for that process to occur. Now, that doesn't preclude it from happening. It just makes it a higher bar to pass in order for it to, uh, to uh, move forward. And it should be noted that the House bill had bipartisan support in uh, nine Republican uh, House members joined all of the Democratic members uh, to vote in favor of the bill, leading the total to be 229 yay, 203 nay, uh, with one non-voting member. So, you know, there, there's progress there. Uh, the Senate bill should be voted on by uh, sometime this week. And then a House and Senate uh, Reconciliation Committee will take the two bills and work with both chambers to come up with a compromise solution from the two bills that will then go back to each chamber for a final vote. Uh, hopefully, uh, this will all occur within uh, the next uh, few weeks. Uh, however, there are some news reports that say the Senate process might take a little bit longer, but either way, uh, I think this is a necessary change uh, to uh, update what is very largely, and as it's described, a ministerial uh, function. It is really just a formality uh, that our Constitution calls for, that a joint session of the House and Senate will review the electors uh, based on the votes cast in the states and certify the winner of the presidential election. So, so as we always do here on the Fired Up Podcast, 
We will keep track of this. We will bring you any updates and we'll bring you any news related to this as it occurs. All right. Uh, moving on to our next story. Republican minority House leader Kevin McCarthy uh, and a collection of his colleagues uh, came to my home state of Pennsylvania uh, this past week for a uh, presentation that included, among other things, uh, an outline of their uh, what they call commitment to America plan, which is the the Republican Party's uh, sort of action plan for the uh, upcoming midterms, as well as the march on to the national election in 2024. Uh, side note, I'll have to find out how come I didn't get my invitation, but, um, you know, it just probably got lost in the mail. Um, so this plan that uh, has been hinted at for several months uh, with very little in the way of uh, details uh, continued on that in that uh, and if you saw any of the video about the presentation you'll see that McCarthy pulls a card out of his pocket which is printed on both sides with kind of the talking points of this plan and they gave you know the the highlights of the plan and again did not go into uh, any real details uh, some of the identify uh, their concerns over things like uh, inflation, supp uh, supply chains, crime, and immigration. According to uh, Representative McCarthy, uh, he said, quote, we are going to roll out today as a commitment to America in Washington, not Washington, D.C., but Washington County, Pennsylvania, uh, because it's about you, it's not about us, close quote. Uh, some of the items that were on this card and were, were uh, again, given in a high-level overview with very, very few details, um, they were calling for, and again, these are contingent on the Republicans gaining control of uh, the House uh, and perhaps uh, the Senate as well, but you know, particularly the House, uh, repealing Democrats' funding for more IRS agents. Uh, the Democrats have proposed in their uh, latest uh, bill signed into law that they are going to add 87,000 uh, IRS agents to uh, enhance their uh, people investigating tax fraud among the wealthy in America. And, you know, Republicans are not big fans of scrutiny of the wealthy. Uh, they are also going to uh, initialize additional plans on securing the southern border, uh, a longtime talking point of the Republican Party, and they say they are going to bring that back into the mainstream discussions. Uh, they talked about uh, supporting the police and hiring uh, as many as 200,000 new officers for police forces around the country. Now, you know, of course, uh, the, the support the blue has been a Republican talking point for you know for several years uh, up until the January 6th insurrection where the you know Republican uh, supported uh, January 6th attack on the Capitol uh, involved you know beating of the police officers with flags and other weapons so you know 
there there's some reconciliation that needs to happen between the language and the actions there. Uh, it also uh, is going to bring forward what is called a parent's bill of rights. Uh, and basically, the Republicans want to give parents a greater say in the education of their children, uh, part in, in one part, and also to expand uh, school choice. And, you know, we'll, we'll circle back to that in a second because there are some things I want to say to that. Um, so, you know, Representative Jim Jordan, who was also um, at the meeting, uh, said that they would open up a probe into the origins of the coronavirus, while uh, Minority Whip Steve Scalise gave a warning to DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, on immigration at the southern border. Uh, he he took a stab at the secretary saying they're going to give him a reserve parking spot uh, at the Capitol because he's going to be testifying so much about this. Um, you know, so uh, again, I, I tried very hard to find uh, the content of this card and it is remarkably uh, not visible, at least not that I could see as I prep for this show. Uh, as to what exactly it contains. But from the talking points and what uh, pundits are saying about it, it resembles greatly uh, many elements of the uh, contract with America, including sort of a commonality of the name uh, that was brought forward uh, in the, in the, during the Obama administration by uh, former Speaker Newt Gingrich and the Tea Party. Uh, and a lot of those elements uh, are, are apparently contained in this, this uh, plan. Uh, hopefully, it won't include the, uh, the gridlock and indecision that also seemed to plague uh, the Tea Party's plan uh, back in the day. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, uh, it, it points out, you know, a couple of, of key things. And as I said, you know, uh, securing the border, the, the Republicans have been, you know, in, with Donald Trump as their cheerleader, uh, have been talking about, you know, securing the southern border and, you know, more restrictions on immigration and and so forth. Uh, and during their time uh, in in control, uh, not much of that really happened. You know, uh, of course, the former president bragged about, you know, how many hundreds of miles of wall that he built when actually the records show it was uh, actually less than 100 miles of walls. Uh, and, and as you go back and check on the news about the southern border as, you know, enhanced by the Republicans, many of those uh, segments of the wall are are in, in decay and rusting or falling over. There are wide open expanses where, you know, there's no wall there. So, you know, it, it uh, again, wanting to secure the southern border is a laudable goal. Uh, wanting to control and, you know, and enforce the laws we have is a more logical goal. It is what the Biden administration has been doing. In fact, uh, deportations of illegal immigrants uh, has actually risen 
over the uh, first you know, 18 months of the Biden administration compared with what was going on during its predecessor administration. So, you know, we, we will continue to look for more details and more depth on what exactly this contract with America is. Uh, but there are a few other things that have been discussed. And I, I was watching a, a video on, uh, from one of the sources that I follow. Uh, actually, it was from a couple of different sources. But one of the things is that they were saying is that the leadership of the MAGA wing of the Republican Party uh, is talking about uh, actions they will take uh, should they gain uh, control of the House. And they said among the first things they were going to do was uh, impeach uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris. Another of the, the top priorities was to install former President Trump as Speaker of the House. Now, uh, you know, the, the conspiracy theories around this are, are legion, but one of the things they indicate is that if they have former President Trump as Speaker of the House in a Republican-controlled House of Representatives, and they uh, somehow successfully manage to impeach uh, President Biden, then Donald Trump returns as President of the United States without being elected. Uh, so, you know, that's an interesting and frankly somewhat scary proposition. Uh, it, it's, you know, if, if you've been paying attention to the news and you know of, you know, the, the numerous legal battles and, and uh, investigations circulating around the former president, uh, this could be a, a very dangerous time for America. Uh, if you recall, a couple of episodes ago, uh, I gave a presentation about the Second Constitutional Convention that is uh, under an attempt to, uh, to pull off. And some of the platform items that they were talking about uh, would have some great impacts on, you know, just society in general here in the United States. For example, one of the platforms calls to abolish the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. So anybody in the workforce uh, has uh, no doubt heard of OSHA and no doubt has uh, benefited from the work that OSHA does to keep workplaces safe and keep workers safe within their workplaces. Uh, you know, a Republican administration uh, or under this new constitution would seek to abolish that. Uh, the other, another is they would abolish the Environmental Protection Agency. Now, I will say that probably many of you who listen to this podcast or, you know, are uh, over at our, our sister station, uh, shout out to our partner station, Mint Wave, over in the UK. Um, but, you know, if, if you're old enough to recall or you can go online and search for uh, the photos of, you know, smog in Los Angeles in the 1970s uh, or, you know, the uh, comparison between the, you know, 
atmosphere around Los Angeles in the 1970s and what it looks like today. Uh, the EPA was largely uh, responsible for cleaning up the atmosphere, you know, in Southern California, as well as you know many uh, contaminated brownfields in this country. Uh, and just think about this, and we'll we'll uh, leave it on this kind of thinking point. If there's no environmental protection agency, the Republicans have their way. Uh, the situation in Flint, Michigan, or the next uh, Flint, Michigan, with you know contamination of the drinking water uh, is is uncovered or may not be uncovered, or the similar situation that happened in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, those would not be addressed. Uh, they would not be identified. There would be no, you know, federal agency overseeing uh, remediation of those uh, type of events. So, you know, there's there are real consequences to the changes that a Republican, uh, or more accurately, a uh, right-wing MAGA-led uh, party would take on in terms of, you know, our everyday lives. Uh, if, if you want, go back and I recorded on the Second Constitutional Convention. Uh, you can find it at uh, any of our archive sites, including uh, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. And uh, you'll find that as well as all of our episodes there. So, you know, check it out. And, you know, give it some good serious thought because, uh, as we'll, we'll find out in the second half, uh, there is a clear call to action that needs to happen if we are going to uh, maintain a country that is responsive to all the people and not just the elite or select few. Uh, so we'll take our break here. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, extensively about the upcoming midterms and what you need to do to be prepared. So stay tuned to the Fired Up Podcast right here on WJMS Media. We'll be right back. I was going to get my voter ID card because they said you had to have it in order to be able to vote. When I got there, I approached the gentleman at the counter and told him what I wanted. I showed him my veteran's card. He said, that was no good. He said, you had to have a state-issued ID card in order to be able to vote. Seniors, women, people of color, young adults, those with low incomes, people with disabilities. Every citizen needs to review your documentation now to make sure you can vote in November. Please check with your local county election board to make sure the name on your photo ID closely matches the name you used when you registered to vote. Please contact us at 866-OUR-VOTE or 866-687-8683. And we're back. Thank you all for staying with us. Uh, the uh, previous PSA is courtesy of your friends here at WJMS Media and, of course, here at Fired Up Politics, uh, the podcast show. Uh, an appropriate subject 
about uh, voter registration. It's something we've talked about here on this program uh, many, many, many times over the course of our, our tenure here at WJMS. And it is uh, even more critical now. Uh, the countdown clock is on. We are 43 days away from the midterm elections. And we're going to uh, spend this segment of the program going through what you need, how you need to prepare, and the things that you need uh, in order to cast your, val- your ballot and have your ballot counted. So, uh, again, you know, we'll, we'll check down the list and then we'll dive into each one of them, um, you know, as we go through. So... Uh, I'm looking at the website uh, www.vote.org. Uh, there are you know, several others. There is uh, ballotpedia.org. Uh, another one is votewriters.org. Uh, if you go into your, the search engine of your choice and uh, type in the keywords uh, vote or voter registration, you will come up with uh, a, a range of sites that you can go to in order to make sure that you are prepared and ready to go out on the 8th of November or to get your mail-in ballot mailed in by the deadlines. And we will talk about those as well. Uh, but it is critical that your first step in, in this process, and we've said this many times, is you need to check and verify that you are registered to vote. Uh, If you have voted in the past, you should still be registered. However, as we have reported, uh, there are many efforts afoot to purge voter rolls, to disenfranchise voters, to do all sorts of things in order to reduce uh, the number of non-Republican voters in particular, but also just to um, create obstacles for voting, uh, you know, we've talked about this over over the years. You know, things like uh, uh, states changing the number and and locations of uh, ballot drop boxes, changes to voting hours, uh, restrictions on early voting, uh, restrictions on voting in person. You know, some of the states have some very very dramatic laws uh, designed really to make the process of casting your ballot each election uh, difficult to the extent that many people will uh, give up or not vote. So I'm here to tell you this, that is not an option. Uh, in this election, in every election, uh, regardless of your party, uh, casting your vote is important. It is critical. Uh, voting is a numbers game. At the local level, Many of your uh, state and local and county initiatives are governed by how many people in those jurisdictions actually voted so that if there is an initiative coming from one district uh, where only, you know, 18 percent of the the registered voters voted and there is a competing uh, initiative coming from another district where 67 percent of the uh, registered voters voted, uh, particularly at the local level, they're going to pay close attention to those heavy uh, voter turnout areas because those are the people that get them elected. Uh, remember, 
the elected officials that you know we talk about here or that you see on the news they work for us you know it's not the other way around and you know as as so many disenfranchisement methods are are coming into play uh, it is up up to us to you know to carry forward and and be out there and get our vote in again whether it's by mail or in person so we're going to talk about uh, some of the general requirements uh, I'm going to use my home state of Pennsylvania as a reference because it's the one I'm most familiar with but you know as I said if you go to any of the website websites I mentioned you will see a list for you know voter resources for every state uh, click on your state and find out what you need to do so the first step is to verify that you are registered to vote and again uh, I'm using the vote.org site as my reference here there may be slight differences at other sites but generally the information is the same they will ask you for your your name last first name last name your address your date of birth your email address and possibly a cell phone number uh, now all except the cell phone number are required fields generally but it is probably a good practice to put in a good working contact phone number for you in case there's a discrepancy with your ballot they have another option besides email in order to reach out to you um, so as I said on vote.org you can select the voter registration for your your state um, again using as I scroll down here Pennsylvania you know and it, it's very simple it will take you no more than a couple of minutes you can uh, search for your registration status by your name or by your uh, ID number whether it's driver's license or uh, state-issued photo ID and once you do that it asks you for who where you are what your name is and you know by county or and zip code and it will return to you what the polling place is or your registration status is rather for you know you in that state so it is it's critical first step make sure that you verify that your registration information is up to date uh, once you have done that uh, check back on it you know as I said we are 43 days uh, I would suggest that you check back at least weekly just to make sure that you haven't been purged from the rolls um, particularly if you know there are elections that occur between the major elections the midterms and the nationals which may be counted as you know absences and get your uh, registration uh, marked as uh, purgeable so make sure you check back that you are registered right up until you know the the last minute when you're ready to go vote just verify that that registration is there that they've got your name spelled correctly your address is correct that all of that identifying information is uh, correct now on the chance that it isn't and you need to uh, register perhaps for, for the first time or re-register uh, they have you know and again you can do all of this online uh, you will need to provide 
some documentation uh, regarding your uh, your identity and, and so forth. Again, it will ask you your name and it will uh, ask you when you submit uh, for you know some documentation. Now, if you're voting in person, uh, it is critical that you bring a current valid photo ID, whether that is your driver's license uh, or if you are not a driver, your state-issued photo ID uh, that has your name correctly spelled, your address correct, uh, all of that information correct. And it is, it is a good general practice, and I do this every year because I routinely uh, vote in person, uh, in part because the polling place for my district is two blocks down the street from where I live. Um, I usually bring at least one, sometimes two, utility bills you know, phone bill, cable bill, water bill, electric bill, uh, which just can ser serve as a backup proof of your residency in the voting district. Uh, I leave nothing to chance. Um, your, your vote is, you know, critically important, and I make sure that mine gets counted. Uh, so, you know, the, the idea is if you aren't registered or you have never registered, uh, go to the register to vote section of the website and complete that information to make sure that you are listed on the polls. Once you do this, uh, make sure you go back prior to the election day and you know, verify that your registration was in fact entered and is entered correctly. Now, each state has uh, various deadlines uh, for when you know, registration can occur can occur uh, in Pennsylvania, for instance, um, in, in order for your registration to count, uh, you have to have registered uh, 15 days before election day if you do it by person or by mail or online. So, you know, you have to have uh, registered to vote two weeks before the election. Um, and uh, again, check to see if they have election day, same day registration. Pennsylvania, they don't. So you need to make sure it's done ahead of time. Uh, again, in terms of your qualifications to vote, uh, you must be a citizen of the United States for at least one month before election day. You must be a resident of your election district at least 30 days before uh, election day. And again, keep in mind, this is Pennsylvania. It may be different in your state, so check, check your state's uh, requirements. You have to be 18 years of age on Election Day, uh, and you have not been in prison within the last five years for a felony conviction. Again, note that is Pennsylvania. Your rules for your state may be different. Um, so, you know, once you do that, you know, you verify that your registration is there, you're registered to vote. I also suggest that if you're doing this, you know, online uh, to register, but you intend to vote in person, print out a copy of your registration information uh, and bring it with you. You know, any, any additional information you can bring that will help you verify your active status to vote uh, is a plus, and you should be prepared to defend uh, your right to vote. If you're voting by mail, uh, 
All right. And, and again, here in Pennsylvania, uh, it will ask you where you're registered and um, give you the information you need on voting by mail. You know, or same thing if you are voting by absentee ballot, if you know you are are going to be out of state on the 8th of November, but you still want your vote to count, uh, you are probably best advised to you know check to see if there are early deadline votes, uh, uh, early voting deadlines rather. Um, but uh, again, using Pennsylvania as an example, if you are requesting an absentee ballot, that request must be received by the uh, registrar's office seven days before election day. So basically by the end of October, you need to have that absentee ballot request in. If you mail it in, you need to mail it in early enough so that it will be there seven days before election day. And if you're doing uh, online, you can uh, uh, make sure that it is complete and received by the office by 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the first Tuesday before Election Day. Now, since Election Day is the 8th, that would probably be either the 31st of October or the 1st of uh, November. So your, your ballot has to be mailed in, if you're voting absentee, needs to be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day. Again, check your local rules. Uh, times and dates may be different. All right. So you can, you know, file an absentee ballot, you can vote online, or you can vote on person. So it, it's critical that you follow the steps that uh, they outline. If you have questions, you know, reach out to either the website or, you know, where you can uh, go to get answers to your questions. Usually it's uh, at your city hall or town hall. Uh, there is a registrar's office um, or a, a register of vote uh, office that you can go and ask your questions. Now, as I said, some states have early voting locations. Um, many uh, have you know, some deadlines that you have to follow. Again, roaming down to get to Pennsylvania. Uh, for example, in Pennsylvania, the deadlines vary by county. Pennsylvania does not offer early voting, but counties may make absentee and mail-in ballot applications to voters in person up to 50 days before election day. So, bing, 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 we've already passed that deadline. So, you know, that, that is uh, not necessarily, early voting is not an option uh, for us here in Pennsylvania. Again, check your local site, uh, you know, for example, uh, Oklahoma uh, for general elections, it's the Wednesday before election day. Uh, for Rhode Island, it's 20 days before election day. Uh, and again, those are the deadlines uh, for uh, when early in-person voting uh, begins. So there, there's an option for you there. You know, if you're going to be out of town, uh, but you're within the early voting deadline, go ahead and cast your ballot early. Don't wait until the last minute and then try and scramble around and, you know, get yourself, you know, locked out. Um, your website will also give you 
the location of your polling place. This is also important to check because uh, especially with all the disenfranchising activities that have been going on, polling places may have been uh, relocated or moved uh, or you know some other reason where it isn't where it was before uh, or it's in a new location. Uh, so make sure that you're aware of where it is that you have to go and vote. So, you know, that is also critically important. It's, you know, on election day, it may not be as easy as you think to get to your polling place. Uh, we've had stories here on this channel about uh, counties that have moved uh, polling places to a single polling place in, in a county. And, you know, in particular, I know I've done stories on this in Texas. And, you know, having been to Texas uh, many times, some of those counties, uh, it's a four-hour drive from one end to the other. So you need to make sure that you have all of this information at hand and ready uh, so that you know where and when you need to leave in order to get to the polling place in time to cast your ballot before the polling place closes. Now, you know, some of the states no longer have drop boxes or, you know, their drop box locations may have moved. Uh, again, on the vote.org site, there is a uh, link you can click to locate a drop box that's near you. All right. And also, there is another link where you can track your, uh, the status of your ballot by mail application. Uh, they can help you at vote.org to see if your ballot has been received uh, by the Registrar of Elections uh, by the deadline so that your vote actually will be counted. So, as I said, there are, there are 43 days, well, 42 days by, by the airing of this program. And, you know, these are the steps that you, you need to check Nobody's going to do it for you. Uh, you need to make sure that you are on point with everything you need in order to cast your ballot. Uh, and then, you know, once Election Day does roll around, make sure that, you know, you anticipate the fact that there may be lines. So, you know, that you get there, leave yourself enough time in order to be sure that your vote uh, gets cast. Now, most, and I'd probably say the majority of polling places have policies that indicate that if you are on the line to enter the polling place by the time the polls close, that you will be allowed to vote. But, and this is a huge but, we have seen this occur in the past, where that is not 100% a guarantee that you will get in. Again, with all the disenfranchisement that's going on, we have heard reports and we have, we have seen reports of uh, polling places closed when the, the uh, election day uh, hours are closed and people have been um, shut out or that you are not allowed to file a ballot at a voting machine or in, in a ballot box, but you will be given the opportunity to file a provisional ballot and you know that will you know be counted 
eventually. But, you know, as I said, I leave nothing to chance. I make sure that on election day, I vote in the morning so that I know my vote got in well ahead of the deadlines and that everything is, is good and cool and fair. Remember that if you have any questions or concerns while you are at the polling place or in line for the polling place, there are poll workers that are there who are there to answer your questions. Uh, so don't hesitate to avail yourself of one of them. So there you have it. That is you know, the, the overview of the process. And again, I can't stress this enough. Every state may have differences. Make sure that you are checking on your voter status you know, ahead of election day. Now, uh, a couple of things uh, to do in, in the way of assisting you on election day. So prior to election day, make a list of what you need to bring. You know, photo ID, check. Uh, a one or two utility letters or other official documents that verify your current and correct address, check. Um, you know, and, and so forth. Put that list, tape it or magnet it to your refrigerator, tape it by your front door, uh, whatever you need to do so that you know you have everything that you need uh, in order to vote. Um, also, in the ID category, let me, not, let me not forget that a United States passport is also a valid and accepted form of identification. So. If you have a passport, you know, if you don't have a driver's license, you don't have a photo ID, but you do have a passport and it's current, you can use that. Now, one more factor that you need to uh, be prepared for uh, as it, it may happen. Um, there, as I said earlier, there are poll workers who are, you know, part of the election uh, office uh staff that are at the polling places to assist you uh, with questions about voting, but you may also uh, run into uh, uh, poll watchers, which are not uh, tied to the election committee in your uh, city, state, or town, but are in fact political uh, agents who are stationed at the uh, polling places uh, by, you know, one party or the other or one candidate or the other. And their job is to uh, intimidate and discourage people from completing the voting process. So if someone comes up to you and is asking you about your uh, voter status, uh, ask them first for their uh, poll worker identification. Uh, if they don't have one or if they only have a, you know, a party identification that they are part of the Republican committee or the Democrat com committee or the independent committee or whatever, um, you don't have to deal with them. You can stand your place in line. They cannot, by law, stop you from voting. They are there to try and shake your nerve, to intimidate you. And they are part of the disenfranchisement campaigns that have been going on at uh, election locations for years. So you know, let nothing stand in your way uh, 
from from a, the standpoint of a person unless they are a poll worker and they can identify themselves as such. If you are not sure, uh, there is a high likelihood that there will be a police officer or officers at the polling place. Uh, get in touch with them. If there aren't any officers at your polling place, hold your place in line, get on your phone, call the police, and tell them you are being interfered with at an election location. That is a federal crime. All right, so do not hesitate to, to drop that 5-0 dime on someone who is trying to interfere with you getting in to cast your ballot. Uh, you know, as, a, as we've said, this election is very critical. Uh, the general election uh, in 2024 20, is also uh, extremely critical. Every election matters. It doesn't have to be a national election. It can be a local, uh, a state, county uh, election as well. You have rights in terms of the right to cast your ballot and not to be interfered with uh, in doing so in the process. So get prepared, get informed, make sure you, you know what you need to do on election day before election day comes around. Write it down, as I said, put it on your refrigerator, stick it by your front door, whatever you need to do to make sure that you have all the tools in order to get out on election day and cast that all-important ballot uh, and make sure that you go. Talk to your friends, pass this information along to them, uh, you know, let them know if they want to hear you know, the whole episode. They can find us on uh, Spotify, they can find us on Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, or you can just go to your search engine and search for Fired Up Podcast. Uh, and WJMS Media, and you will you will find us that way. So that's gonna that's gonna cover it for this episode. Uh, we will revisit this subject uh, probably not in in, in a thirty minute uh, educational rant, but we will be touching on this subject every show between now and Election Day, and I will keep you posted on any developments that may impact your ability to get out and cast uh, your ballot on you know, November 8th or, or whatever election day is in your state. So please take care, stay safe, uh, protect yourself. Remember, there's still a pandemic out there. Uh, and, you know, be safe, be prepared, but get out and vote. It is vitally important that every vote gets counted. So that will wrap us up for this show. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. This is Steve. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at firedupradio at yahoo.com. With that in mind, take care, and I will be back with you again for another episode in seven days. Mm -hmm.